Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies that you can use to get the breakthrough you're looking for in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Nevada Gray. Joining me is my co-host, Chris Donahue. We're glad that you're joining us today. If you are enjoying our podcast, we invite you to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Today's episode is brought to you by Health Code. We all need vibrant health and sustained energy to live our lives to the fullest, especially during these busy times. You're likely eating enough calories, but they may not be the right calories to provide essential nutrition. That's called misnourishment, and it could be ruining our health. With Health Code Complete Meal, you'll get an optimized science-backed blend of protein, collagen, healthy fats, apple cider vinegar, probiotics, fiber, and vitamins and minerals without any added sugar, extra carbs, or anything artificial. It's not only nutritionally complete, it's also affordable and absolutely delicious. Stop the confusion of what to eat or not to eat. Formulated by a metabolic scientist and backed by nutritionists, Health Code Complete Meal is based on the latest research specifically to help you get as healthy as possible. With over 412 five-star reviews, this shake is one not to be missed. It's non-GMO, gluten-free, no soy, no added sugar, no artificial sweeteners, no artificial ingredients, and also tree nut-free. Save 10% on your first order with the code PaleoPharmacist. Link in the show notes. This shake, especially the vanilla flavor, is my go-to on busy days when I'm in the pharmacy. We hope you enjoy today's episode. And as always, please subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information is provided for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your own personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet and fitness. Michelle Beaton is the founder and content creator for WeekendCraft.com. Weekend Craft first started eight years ago as a place to showcase home and craft projects that could be done over the course of a weekend. Through the years, it has evolved into a lifestyle brand, showing over 4.4 million people that you can craft a home you love. Michelle is a first-time homeowner, renovating one room at a time and learning along the way. She bought her first house at 28 on her own and considers it to be one of her biggest accomplishments. Michelle is passionate about making a house a home within your means. Michelle utilizes her weekends to do it yourself, craft and curate her home. A home should be a collection of your life over the years. Your home should tell a story, your story. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying our episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. Michelle Beaton from Weekend Craft. Welcome to the podcast. How are you tonight? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I have been obsessed with your Instagram 
for close to a year now watching your home renovation. Uh, I know you bought your first home when you were 28 years old and your Instagram's just absolutely amazing and all of your ideas into curating a home that you love um, is just so inspiring. So I wanted to have you on the podcast to share all about it. Can you tell us a little bit about your plunge into buying your first home and what that experience was like and what got you into crafting? Sure. So um, I actually bought my first home, um, the house that I'm living in right now, when I was 28. Um, and I've had I've had this goal for a while. I wanted to purchase a home before I turned 30. It was really one of my like bucket list items to do. Um, you know, being a millennial, there's that stereotype of you're going to end up living in your parents' basement or we're going to be you know, burdened by student debt for the rest of our lives. So I graduated grad school when I was, I think I was 26. And I moved from Savannah, Georgia, back home to Massachusetts. And I sort of made a conscious decision to live with my parents. Um, once I, you know, graduated, I was looking for a job. Um, I landed, you know, my corporate job at that point, And I saved a lot. Um, I paid myself rent every month, which was basically a down payment for my house. And then when I was 27, I finally had that like target goal. Um, and before I took the plunge into buying a house, I wanted to make sure that this was something that I could take care of um, and something that I wanted to actually have like a standalone home instead of a condo. So I rented a small two bedroom house um, in Rhode Island and I was there for about a year. And I, from that point, went on my home buying journey, um, which was quite a crazy one. Um, the markets of Massachusetts were, were very saturated with buyers at that point. So I found a realtor that I absolutely loved, trusted. Um, she was a friend of a friend. And we looked at about 80 or 90 houses. And I actually got this house because um, someone's closing had fell through. So it was like the stars had aligned. Um, and I bought a two-bedroom ranch fixer-upper. And I decided to make it my own. Yes. And you've done a beautiful job with that. And you've done all of the renovations yourself and Americans in 2020 have spent the most probably they ever have on home improvement and renovation. And I know my, for myself, I decided I'm a minimalist and I decided, okay, I'm going to change out my pillow cushions and maybe do a different pop of color. And I couldn't find pillow cushions or covers anywhere. They were sold out everywhere. And a lot of people, you know, spending a lot more time at home, started thinking about their space. And is this a space that I want to be in? Is this a space I love? People started decluttering. And what I wanted to ask you was how, how did you get started? Where did you find the time to start crafting? Because it can be overwhelming when you have spaces in your home that you want to curate and fix up and to make your home work for you and to make it tell a story of who you are in, in your life. So how did you go about um, starting uh, and getting rid of all the overwhelm? Did you start one room at a time or did you just start renovating the whole thing? 
So Weekend Craft was born quite literally. Um, so I do everything on the weekend. You know, I have a pretty demanding corporate nine to five job. Um, so everything that you're seeing that's getting done from, you know, crafting to any of the DIY and home projects, they're all being done mostly on the weekends. Um, I really got started with the home projects out of necessity. Um, when we did our home inspection here at this house, um, I had quite a bit of water damage in the bathroom and to the point where the, if you knocked on the tiles, like a tile would fall in the wall. <laughs> um, so that was sort of the first project that we tackled in this house. But before that, um, my dad had always taught me like how to use power tools, not to be scared of them. Um, I would be out in the yard and find some, you know, dried branches and want to cut them for my crafts. And instead of him just cutting them, he showed me how to use a miter saw. Um, so I'd say not letting the fear take over and realizing that, you know, to push your limits. Um, and even if you don't have these tools, like family members might have them, you can learn a ton on YouTube. The internet is just really a great resource. Um, so I think that's where I started in my house. Um, but I think getting over the intimidation factor of power tools was huge for me. Yes, I certainly have no idea how to operate a power tool. So where did... <laughs> Where did you go about learning? Did did your father teach you? Because I know you renovated a lot of the, the home with your dad. Or did you go on YouTube? Or how did you empower yourself? So I started off um, crafting. I used to um, be in a, I used to be in the craft fair circuit. I used to have a booth at a shop, local shop. Um, so I started out doing like small crafts, you know, um, painting like frames turning them into chalkboards and then I decided I wanted to create my own signs um but to do that I had to figure out like how to deconstruct a pallet like I'll never forget I found a pallet on the side of the road got it home and I was like now what do I do um so that actually led me to harbor freight for the first time if you guys um are looking to get tools at a very low introductory cost like harbor freight is going to be your best friend you can get a sawzall there for 19 dollars, opposed to like a hundred dollars um at home depot um but i think doing the research on my own but then having the support of someone like my dad who you know i could have them there while i was first trying it out until i was comfortable um another rule that i have is if i am using power tools like I don't know anything that's not like a screw gun. So anything with a blade, like a saw, I'll like text my sister and be like, Hey, I'm home alone. And I'm cutting, you know, 40 pallet signs in my basement just so she knows for, you know, that safety precaution. But I just say like diving right in and, but researching how to do it beforehand. I will not say this again. Like, YouTube is a great resource and also following DIY bloggers that can, that are like you on Instagram can empower you. Absolutely. And what I wanted to ask you was what, 
what has been the most enjoyable project that you have done in your home? Was it your kitchen or your living room? I, I know I'm obsessed <sighs> with your kitchen. Okay. I think it's enjoyable when it comes to the end and you see it all put together. Like my kitchen is my dream. Um, I did my kitchen in two phases. Um, when I first moved in, moved in, I had oak cabinets. I had a half-size dishwasher, which I did not even know was a thing. I had the worst backsplash you could have imagined. And so phase one was painting my cabinets um, and putting in butcher block countertops. And I did peel and stick tile um, just because that was what I could afford at the time. Um, but then I had a savings goal in mind. And, you know, four years later, I was able to gut my entire kitchen, tear out a wall um, and make the whole front of my house open. And it's hands down my favorite project. But that project start to finish was the only thing that I did hire out was um, hardwood floors. Um, I mean, that whole process was a nine months to a year. Um, it was grueling, but it was so worth it. Um, I basically had to move out of, I didn't have a kitchen or a living room for probably three to four months. Um, but it was all worth it in the end. And being able to pick the cabinets that I wanted to sort of like customize the backsplash that I wanted and um, decorate it, mixing in like old with new. Um, it's hands down my favorite project I've done so far. What would be some of your tips and strategies for some of our listeners that may be on a budget that are looking to renovate a room but don't have a lot of money to spend? What, what would be some tips that you can offer uh, based on some of your experience in home renovation? Yeah, um, my biggest, biggest, biggest tip is Facebook Marketplace and thrift stores. Um, and whatever is your comfort level within this pandemic, do it like within reason and safely. Um, but I think design can be accessible at any budget. When I first got my apartment and then first got my house, I still had furniture from college. And um, I used to drive around to see like what yard sales there were or what free furniture was on the curbs on um, trash day. And, you know, a can of paint, like chalk paint can do, do wonders. You can turn an old dresser into an entertainment center. Um, you can turn frame, like old fashioned frames into um, different artwork. Um, I think it's getting creative on what your budget is. Um, for a long time, the answer for everyone was pallets. Um, but I think if you get creative and think, how can I put a twist on this and make this my own? Um, I think it will stretch your budget a longer way. And I think it will make you look at the pieces in your house differently. Um, for instance, I had this square Ikea coffee table that, you know, I just hated it. It was not what I was going for. It was a little too streamlined and modern for me, but 
um, at that point, farmhouse was really in and I went to Home Depot and spent, I don't even know, maybe $20 on um, some wooden planks, put some stain on them. And then I had a two-toned coffee table. Um, I, th I think it's just getting really creative and seeing how far you can stretch your budget or stretch the money that you have um, with what's accessible to you. And also with that, I wanted to ask you uh, regarding color. Um, so being a minimalist, one of the ways that I change my house out is I'll change out just some of the color and put pops of color. One of the things I really appreciate about your Instagram, and of course there is the Instagram first reality, which you talk about in your stories, um, your home is, is always so bright and there's just perfect pops of color throughout each room. And what's your process uh, with working with color? I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so I like to set like a neutral tone. So I will paint around like, for instance, bare cotton gray is my favorite gray to paint walls. Um, so I'll start out with this neutral gray palette. Um, I have a light gray couch and I choose to um, add color in with throw pillows with um, my accessories, for instance, I have, if you go on my Instagram, you can see I have um, this um, shelf behind me that's in my dining room, which is connected to my kitchen um, and my living room. But I also bring in like pops of teal glass there. So I'm very intentional um, with the colors that I do bring in. Um, and I try to carry them throughout the space. So you'll see I have um, different shades of blue and teal on my sofa, and then it comes into my dining room area here, but then it also carries into the tile that's on my kitchen. But my kitchen is also, you know, gray with the white cabinets, and I brought in the pop of color with the tiles and with the accessories that are in there. And I think, I think there's a way to do it tastefully um, by also mixing in, like I'm a big believer in adding plants to a space. Um, once you sort of like add a pothos or um, you know, like a Christmas cactus or a monstera, like you start to expand your color palette from just having like one color than to bring in more color and life um, with plants. So I also consider those part of like the color palette for a room. And then don't be afraid to mix in patterns. Like if, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I love Buffalo Check. I have a Buffalo Check um, armchair in my living room here because it's just another way to add dimension and add my personality back into the space. Yes, and I love how you add the pops of color and the texture and the different patterns um, that you work with. One thing I wanted to ask you is um, for those of our listeners that follow you on Instagram, your Christmas trees and how you transform your home during the holidays. Uh, what's your what's your process for that and, and tips for that for people that may be on a budget or for people that 
are shopping in their homes and shopping in their basements and reinventing uh, what they have. Yeah, I love to say like I have a big Christmas in a small home because my house is my house is fairly small. It's probably about a thousand square feet, um, and I have four Christmas trees. I think I have to count them. <laughs> um, but for me. You know, I always thought growing up, like I always aspired to be the house that had multiple Christmas trees. I'll never forget my sister babysat um, for uh, this this couple that had um, a bit more money than we did growing up. And, and I remember they had a Christmas tree almost in every room and a professional decorator. And I just, I would walk in there and my jaw would drop. And I always thought like, you know, this is how you know you've made it. You have multiple Christmas trees. And then when I moved into this house, I was like, why, why, what is stopping me? Why can't I have multiple Christmas trees? So, and you don't need like the fancy King of Christmas or Balsam Hill tree. Um, my Christmas tree I have out on my sun porch is a hand-me-down tree from Kmart from my, one of my friends that moved to um, California um, who knew I loved Christmas. It's, all about creating like the different layers and textures on the tree and adding your own personal touches with your ornaments that, you know, you can do it, really do it on any budget. Um, and I think shopping early, shopping with sales. And then what, besides this year, because Christmas was sparse in the stores, at the end of the year is when I go hog wild and buy all of my Christmas decor for the next year. Um, and that way I can really just keep it on the budget and, you know, I can switch out my themes of my Christmas trees every year. Um, but keeping it costs very low. Now, do you save the decor each year or do you donate and then, uh, purchase new decor or do you, um, kind of keep everything and just rotate it out and go sh go shopping in your craft room. Okay, so this was the first year that I bought new ornaments in a very long time. And it was just a treat because I had stayed at home for like seven months. Um, but normally what I'll do is I'll just switch out the ribbon. So if one year I'm doing a rustic Christmas and it's more of a burlap ribbon, the next year I might switch out the ribbon to a red plaid or a black and white buffalo check ribbon. Um, just changing out that ribbon for probably under $10 um, will give your tree like an entirely different look. And then I just switch up which ornaments I put on the tree. So I'm, I've had two trees for probably six or seven years now. So um I've acquired a lot of ornaments and I, I think that if you buy some ornaments in larger sleeves at the end of the year, um, and then I usually make a bunch of ornaments each year, um, I think it's an easy way to switch it up with, with probably spending under $30. That's awesome. Your Christmas trees were just absolutely amazing. I almost went out and bought myself a Christmas tree, but I decided, <laughs> you know what, I'm just going to go to Target and get some string lights 
And I think I tagged you in my Instagram story. I put yep. some string lights up and that was the extent of my Christmas decorating uh, this year. But I think next year I'm definitely going to think about a tree because those trees were just amazing. It was, you know, just like out of a magazine. I wanted so to my, ask My oh, biggest ahead. suggestion, if anyone is looking for a Christmas tree next year, I think it's always the end of October. Look for the Michaels Christmas tree event. That is the best deals you are going to get on Christmas trees. Um, and then also, if you want a higher-end Christmas tree, like King of Christmas, um, if you look on their website, like just a couple days before Christmas, they usually do all of their clearance and open box sales. And that's how I've got two of my King of Christmas trees. Um, one of them I only spent $25 on, and it's a $200 pencil tree. Um, I, I'm very, very budget conscious when it comes to how much I spend on them, but I do like good quality. So those are my two biggest sales that I always look for every year. And those are great tips. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is you do a lot of the Cricut craft. And I know a lot of parents are at home with their kids or people that are starting home businesses with craft. And you just recently started a membership site to teach people how to do uh, the crickets. Uh, sir, the I'm sorry, the cricket craft. I, I always want to call it cry cut. I don't know why, but it's cricket. It's how, it, it's how it's spelled. <laughs> so um, can you explain a little bit about the art, um, the fine art of that craft? and yeah. And how you use that in a lot of the creative um, decorations that you have in your home. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, um, a Cricut is a die cutting machine. So imagine if you were using your printer, but instead of printing, it was cutting. Um, so I have been crafting with Cricut now probably about six or seven years. Um, and I have all three of the machines. And I always started off, you know, crafting, making, like, I would make anything from, like, yarn crafts to um, palette signs to, um, like, coasters. I would, I would make anything. Anything I could craft, I could. I can't sit still. So if there's something I can do on the couch at night, like, I'm probably doing it while I'm watching TV. So I wanted to take my crafting up to the next level. Um, I was actually starting like a small business with it. I had graduated grad school, came back, you know, I was looking for a job. And in the meantime, like I had to be creative. I had an Etsy shop um, where I designed like wedding invitations. <laughs> so Naturally, I tried to figure out, okay, what can I do to bring my crafting to the next level? And I invested in a machine. Um, and from there, I was able to make personalized crafts. I could make stencils. I could make my own greeting cards by cutting paper on it. Um, I could do vinyl crafts. I could make shirts. Um, and then going up to now having my Cricut Maker... Um, it cuts thicker materials. So for instance, I was able to cut basswood and veneer and make um, three-dimensional Christmas tree ornaments for my tree. Um, 
or I was able to embellish some embroidery hoops um, to make a wreath with a customized saying with vinyl on it. Um, it just brings your crafting up one level and it makes it look professional to as you got it in a store. Um, and if any, if anyone is interested in, you know, turning their craft into a small business, whether it be selling like in a physical store or selling online on Etsy, um, your Cricut machine will pay for itself, you know, tenfold once you get started because it, it just brings the quality of your craft to the next level. Um, and so last November, this past November, um, what I hear most from my readers is that while they have a cricket, they aren't great at designing. Um, so I have developed a membership where every month you get eight to 10 um, cricket cut files um, from me. And I go live um, once a month and do a craft night. And I have an exclusive Facebook group where you can ask any of your cricket questions and I'll jump on there and answer them. And it's just turned into this great um, crafting community that I absolutely love. And I look forward every month to figuring out what I'm going to design for them. And, you know, it's just, it's turned into this great little community. And I love that. Um, and one thing I wanted to ask you is your blog has reached 4.4 million people. Um, so that's 4.4 million homes that are curated in working for people and telling the story of their lives, where they're making memories. And I wanted to ask you for new bloggers or for new crafters that are looking to start a business uh, with this, what are some of your top uh, business tips that you've learned throughout your journey? Um, I think it took me a while, probably about five years to realize that you know, people weren't just there for the projects, they were also there for me. So as hard as it might be, put yourself out there and put yourself in front of the camera in front of the blog posts, really let your readers get to know you. And then you'll start to see your blog grow exponentially because there are, I don't even know at this point, thousands, millions of blogs out there. Um, and just try to figure out what sets you apart from everyone else and why people would visit you and want to stay. Yes, definitely. Because a lot of people just have time on the weekends uh, to be able to do these projects. So that's one of the things that I absolutely love about your blog. What would you say uh, for new crafters? Um, like for someone like me that has never crafted before, uh, what are some projects that you would recommend that people start with to build their confidence in, in crafting? I think the biggest thing is just, um, I don't craft without intention. Um, like I know that you'll see a lot of like crafters out there. I don't know, like, um, an example I always see in like the crafting world are like um, paper plate crafts. Like people will do 20 paper plate crafts with their kids to keep them busy. But then at the end of the day, 
what do you do with all of them? Um, I'm always crafting with intention that if I'm creating something, I'm going to have a space for it in my home or I have an idea in mind. So if I'm creating, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up and I just made um, two different signs or two different wreaths, like door hanging through my door. Um, I have an intent of where that's going to go. You want to be proud of it and you want to see it and like get that instant, like I made that. Um, and I think having a place to put it or use for it is really important. Um, and it will encourage you to continue like on this crafting journey. Um, so that that's my biggest suggestion because a lot of people do crafts like as a hobby and then you end up with a pile of them at the end of your dining room table and what what do you do with them? Yes, and as a minimalist making a craft, I would definitely want to be able to hang it in my home or use it functionally uh, in some way in my home. And that brings us to Valentine's Day. What are some of your top tips for people on a budget? Uh, to make their Valentine's Day special. I know you also uh, craft recipes as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, here is my biggest tip for Valentine's Day, especially if you're on a budget. Stretch your Christmas decor. So the main color at Christmas time is red. Like that is when you want to be looking for things, especially when things go on clearance. Um, I'll switch a lot of my decor over I don't decorate a ton for Valentine's Day, um, but when I do, I will pull out like all the red mercury glass votives I have, or um, I have a red berry wreath from Christmas time and a red berry um, like candelabra centerpiece. Um, I also last year at Target at the end of Christmas, I got a beautiful. Um, felted uh table runner for I don't even know I think it was like six dollars so I'll look for things off season that I can repurpose for Valentine's Day um and I think steering clear of maybe the um conversation hearts or like putting hearts everywhere I think there's a way to decorate for Valentine's Day that will kind of like bring it up a notch if you just switch out some of your everyday items or candles or table runners um, to just have that pop of red. And don't get me wrong, I do like hearts, but just not everywhere. <laughs> and those are also some great tips. One thing I wanted to ask you too is if you can take us behind the scenes uh, for your amazing Instagram photos. Uh, for your house there's reality of what the house looks like there's laundry there's dishes and then there's these beautiful impeccable uh, photos on Instagram uh, of homes and you're looking and you're like wow how can I get my home to look like that can you take us behind the scenes of what goes in to curating a feed like that yep behind every Instagram post is literally a pile of things so like right now, if you looked at my kitchen, um, I do keep my counters rather clean, but like if I was going to photograph this right now for my blog or for Instagram, like I would be taking my air fryer off the counter. You wouldn't see the pile of dishes I had. Um, 
you know, you wouldn't see my diet Dr. Pepper that's next to um, my fridge right now. So I try to peel or really pull back the veil on my stories. Um, you'll see a lot of it. Um, you know, this is not a clutter-free household. Like if you went into my basement right now, you would see, you know, half my projects from my renovations that I had to pull down there or you would see a couple unfinished crafts that I'm doing. Um, but I think it's the re it's, you have to realize that these Instagrammers are putting up these perfect homes as aspiration, but it's not actual reality. And I think a lot of people feel the pressure to have their homes look like this. But at the end of the day, we're all folding laundry while watching television or going to bed with sinks full of dishes. And I, I think it's really important to recognize that, especially for your mental health. And I 100% agree with that. Michelle, I want to ask you, what's next for you in 2021? What's next for Weekend Craft? Ooh, um, I just want to survive. <laughs> I feel like um, 2020 was like surviving, not thriving. Um, just trying to get through everything that's going on. I'm really hopeful for this year. Um, I am finishing up a lot of the renovations on this house. It's been five years of constantly renovating. I mean, we did a bathroom. We did a kitchen. We did a patio. We're doing a basement. We did a sun porch. Um, I just want to enjoy my home. I, and I know I'll be spending a lot of time in it this year. And, you know, I spent so much time creating and curating this home and I just want to enjoy it. Um, in terms of what's going to be going on in the blog, I think I'm going to be doing a lot more crafting and food but I'll also still be doing home projects but they just won't be to the scale of like gutting an entire kitchen um so I'm really excited to see what this year brings and to just really enjoy the space that I've created and where can people find you uh, where can they find your blog and what's your Instagram handle yeah you can find me on weekendcraft.com um and if you want to get a lot more behind the scenes and get a peek into every day of my life, um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Weekend Craft. Um, and then if you're on TikTok, you can also find me over there at Weekend Craft. And I'm doing everything crafty, home and food on all three of those channels. Awesome. So guys, make sure you check Michelle out. I'm telling you the Instagram and the blog are amazing. One of my favorite blogs and Instagram. All right. And if you guys are also enjoying this podcast, please uh, subscribe and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. And thank you so much for being here tonight, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast. We are now available on iHeart Podcast and all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. As always, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, send us an email. Link in the show notes.